0: Turn with me to Exodus chapter 25, and you may remember in this story so far that um, God has rescued his people from from slavery in Egypt, he's taken them through the Red Sea, they've come out the other side, he's brought them to the mountain, Uh, as he promised, he's bringing these people um, into relationship with himself, so he wants to give them, uh, as we've seen already, he's given them a a set of instructions. And now he wants to do something else, and and we'll pick this up in the reading. And just hang in there with reading and use your, you know, use your best imagination um, to try and kind of see what's going on here. Um, the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You are to receive the offering for me from everyone whose heart prompts them to give. That's interesting right from the start, isn't it? It's just a kind of bring a free will offering. These are the offerings you to receive from them. Gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, fine linen, goat hair, ram skins dyed red, and another type of durable leather. I don't know why that the, – the, nobody really knows what that is. Um, I think it's kind of – it used to be kind of like translated the hide of sea cows. Though I guess they kind of wondered where the kind of, you know, the Israelites got um, the hide of sea cows from. And when I was looking for illustrations uh, <coughs> today, I saw one of the pictures said that it had badger skins – And I kind of, I really don't think that. But um, um, they kind of covered the tabernacle in badger skins. That kind of seems just a bit bizarre. Um, So we're left with this clunky translation and some other kind of durable leather. Um, Acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense and onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and the breastplate. Then let them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. That's what today's reading is all about. Uh, God says, let them make a sanctuary, let them make a place uh, for me, and I will come and dwell among them. But, he says, make this tabernacle, and all its furnishings exactly, exactly like the pattern I'll show you. So, he says inside there's going to be an ark." He says, let them make an ark of acacia wood, two and a half cubits long, a cubit and a half wide, and a cubit and a half high. So, a cubit's about a foot and a half, or it's about half a metre, overlay with pure gold both inside out make a gold mounting around it cast four gold rings for it and fasten them to its four feet with two rings on one side and two rings on the other they make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold insert the poles into the rings on the side of the ark to carry it the poles are to remain in the rings of this ark they're not to be removed then put in the ark the tablets of the covenant law, which I will give you. So the ark is like a box, and it's got rings, it's got um, poles permanently attached. So once it's built, it's never touched, uh, never touched again, and it's portable. Make an atonement cover of pure gold, two and a half cubits long, a cubit and a half wide, and make two cherubim, cherubim are angels. Out of hammered gold at the ends of the cover. Make one cherub on one end and a second cherub on the other. Make the cherubim of one piece with the cover at the two ends. They're to have their wings spread upwards, overshadowing the cover. So they, they face each other, one at this end, one at the other end, um, with, with their wings up. The cherubim to face each other, looking towards the cover. Place the cover on top of the ark and put in the ark the tablets of the covenant law that I will give you. More about that in a bit. There above the cover between the two cherubim that are over the Ark of the Covenant law, I will meet with you and give you all my commands for the Israelites. Then there's a table, make a table of acacia wood, two cubits long, cubit wide, cubit high. Overlay with pure gold, make a gold rim around it. Um, Verse 26, make four gold rings for the table and fasten them to the four corners where the four legs are. And the rings are to be close to the rim to hold the poles. Make the poles of acacia wood, overlay them with gold and carry the table with them and make the plates and dishes of pure gold as as well as its pitchers and bowls for the pouring out of offerings. Put the bread of the presence on this table to be before me at all times. Am I making it hard work? Back, good, yeah, Good. Make a lampstand of pure gold, hammer out its base and shaft and make its flower-like cups, buds and blossoms of one piece with them. Six branches are to extend from the sides of the lampstand, three on one side and three on the other. So you know that picture of the menorah, the Jewish lampstand, so it has a central column and then it has branches like that going up, okay? On the lampstand there to be four cups shaped like almond flowers with buds and blossoms, one Bud shall be under the first pair of bands, etc. You know. Okay, but the point is, it's made of gold and it's got kind of flowers on it and it's got seven lights um, across the top. And everything that's uh, to be used with it, um, verses 37 onwards, that are made with gold. Um, chapter 26 Make the tabernacle with, with ten curtains of finely twisted yarn and blue, purple, and scarlet yarn with cherubim, woven, more cherubim, woven into them by a skilled worker. All the curtains will be the same size, 28 cubits long, 4 cubits wide. Join the curtains together and do the same with the other five. Make loops of blue material along the edge of the curtain in one set and do the same. The end. Oh gosh, I tell you what, I, I'm just going to run out of time to tell you anything, okay, if I'm going to read all this morning. I, I really kind of, as we set out on this journey through Exodus, it was my ambition to kind of read, the, you know, all of the text as we kind of went along. But I think, you know, we failed last week and I think we're going to um, fail this week. But basically, the, uh, the tabernacle is going to be an, an arrangement of kind of like curtains in an outer court. We'll see, I'll show you a picture in a minute. Um, but 26, verse 30, um, set up the tabernacle according to the plan shown you on the mountain. There is this, this constant um, refrain that you're going to set this up as exactly, God says, there is a point, there is a reason um, why it must be exactly as, as God has described it. Um, Chapter 27, verse 1. Build an altar of acacia wood, um, three cubits high. This is now out in the, out in the courtyard rather than in, inside the tent. Um, make a horn at each of the four corners. Make a grating. Make poles of acacia wood. Um, but the altar is made out of bronze. And then out in the courtyard, the south side should be 100 cubits long. So have curtains finely twisted linen with 20 posts, 20 bronze bases with silver hooks. And finally, verse 20. Command the Israelites to bring you clear oil of pressed olives for the, for the light so that the lamps may be kept burning. I love that thing. They bring clear oil. Bring the good stuff. Okay, because then it will burn without being really smoky. And in the tent of meeting, outside the curtain the shield that shields the ark of the covenant law, Aaron and his sons are to keep the lamps burning before the Lord from evening till morning. This is to be a lasting ordinance among the Israelites for the generations to come. Let's pray for a moment. I've really wrestled with this text. In fact, I've wrestled with the whole week. It's been an interesting week because Nathan and I have been trogging about the country most of the week, going to interviews and things. It's kind of been sort of... Um, it's not been straightforward to get my head around this. But let's pray and then let's have a dig in. Father God, this, this text is all about Home. And all about your presence. And home is where your presence is. And Father God, I do pray uh, that even as we read it and study it and think about it this morning, we will know your presence with us. And from that sense of your presence, we'll have a sense of being home. Home away from home now. But one day of being home, we are going home with you. That lovely text that Rob read to us. Jesus, in my Father's house there are many rooms and I'm going to prepare a place and then I'm coming back to take you to that place. Lord, we are on our way home. We ask that you'd encourage our hearts with that this morning. Amen. Right, well, here we go. And I'm going to run again my own PowerPoint and see what happens. Okay, it is switched on, but it's just not plugged in. <coughs> <laughs> Here we go. Ta da! Oh, that's not good then. I'll sort that out. Hang on a second. It hmm, still doesn't want it. Okay, that's kind of the squished version. I don't know why I'm getting the squished version. Okay, I don't know whether you can do anything about that, Ian, but it doesn't seem to pick that up, no. Okay. We'll, we'll work with the squished version. Okay. I just wonder whether... Are you one of those people who kind of is a real kind of nester and you kind of like, you like to build your home as your kind of, you know, place of security... Um, it's you kind of, Maybe you're a bit of a DIYer, and you kind of like, you know, you kind of, it's all just so, or maybe you're a bit of a kind of a soft furnisher. Not necessarily saying those are men and women's responses, might be the other way around, but, you know, and you you, you want to create home. Or whether you're a kind of traveller, you're, you're looking, you actually, you're seeking for some kind of idyll somewhere, you know, you're trying to look for that place of, you know, where you're genuinely going to be at rest and you can lay everything down. Or um, well, I wonder whether you, I've had one of those weeks where just, um, not so much because I was trogging about the country, um, but because some days you just, just you come in the door and you say, I just want to go home. And I said that to Leslie, I just want to go home. And I don't even really know what I mean by that, except I just want to be in, in that place where everything is all right and that kind of place of rest. You see, I think all of those... This is all going wrong this morning, isn't it? It's kind of... Because um, this just doesn't want to come up in front of me this morning actually tell me what's happening. Let's just see if we can... Something very strange. going. Oh, well. I think all those longings are actually expressing something which is, which is quite deep within us, which is we want to be back home with the Lord. We want to be back home with the Lord... We want to be in his big house, big house that Rob talked about. We we want to be back in Eden. I think it's there. It's just, it's just, it's just in us. That is the kind of I think it is the you know one of the core longings of our hearts. See, originally this is how it worked. Um, God and people were together in Eden. God was there in his purse. There was God. There was there were the people. There is the garden. Um, God's personal presence. Um, with his people. That's how it, it, it was supposed to be. What happened? Well, the people rejected God's rule, and what happens then? They're rejected they're from the garden. I kind of think, you. you uh, my question is, what then happens to the garden? And I think the reality is that God withdraws, and, and the garden, that kind of, that ability to, to know, uh, walk and talk in, in the presence of God on earth as, as gone. And God has withdrawn his kind of personal presence. But what happens today then is really really important. Because God returns to live with his people. So this is my tiny representation of the tabernacle. Okay, God uh, says to them, you build me this little tabernacle and, and I will come and live with you, among you. So we start to see that the Eden ejection uh, repaired. God says, you build me a sanctuary, I, I, will, I will come and dwell with it. And he says, but you must build it just so. And why does he want it just so? Be- for a couple of reasons. Be- one, because it, the tent has echoes, echoes of Eden about it. But also because the tent and the, the articles in it will point the way through um, to the new Eden. It will point the way back home. So you probably won't, you won't have picked these up as we read them, I, and I, I kind of I feel bad that we I haven't read it um, this morning, because you won't have picked these things up. But there are some echoes uh, of Eden in, in the way this tabernacle is, is built. Um, out of those offerings, they started with gold and it, and it finished with onyx. I don't know whether that rings any bells, but back in uh, Genesis 2, um, the, the places of the headwaters um, that flowed into Eden, one of them was... Uh, was described of, of having gold uh, and, and onyx. So gold and onyx, it's just, they're, they're two words which have rung bells and would have taken people back to, uh, to Eden. The other thing is this lampstand. And when you read that again, and we, we didn't read it in detail, but it's budding and it's blossoming, um, and it's a very kind of... Um, <clears throat> it, it, it looks like a tree. It's a lampstand that looks like a tree. It's just a little reminder, isn't it? it? It's a picture, I think, of the tree of life. Across these chapters, right through to about chapter 31, as, as God tells uh, Moses how to build the tabernacle uh, and how to establish the priests, he speaks seven times. It says, The Lord spoke to Moses, and it's been noted by scholars over time that God speaks seven times, like God spoke seven times in creation, across Genesis 1. And on completion of it, God calls for a Sabbath. It's the same. Do you remember that? You probably sure remember that back in the beginning of Genesis 2. God creates, um, and then he calls for a Sabbath. And in those, even in the bits we read, we found there were, there were cherubim everywhere. There were, there were angels everywhere. Well, I, we, we don't see them um, back in the original Eden, but we do see them when the finally Adam and Eve are rejected, and God puts what? He puts cherubim there to stop them going um, back in. So what we've seen happen this morning is that God has come back to dwell with his people. And here is just, as it were, a little bit of Eden um, in a tent. It's an Eden that moves with the people. It is designed to be portable. It is designed to, be, uh, uh, to pack away uh, and be carried. But it's also Eden as a home. There's a, there's, um, what would a home look like to one of the people of Israel. It would have looked like a tent with rooms with a place where they ate. What has God come down and provided them with? He's provided them with a tent, with rooms, with a meal table in it. And what is God saying to them? He's saying, you are home. You are home wherever I am, whenever I am. So, I've been kind of um, having a trial of Spotify Premium. Does anybody have Spotify on your kind of phone? It's the kind of music streaming service, um, and great, great excitement in my house because I've been able to kind of like explore kind of Christian music of the '80s, um, which is quite an interesting um, subgenre, shall we say, of music. Um, but, but Sam has been then um, playing last night, as, as they were kind of playing on the PlayStation, to a soundtrack of, of kind of 80s hits. Um, I don't know what the attraction is, but he's just my son. That's what he is. <laughs> it's just him. So Paul Young blasting out in the background, wherever I lay my hat, that's my home. Well, for the Israelites, wherever we put up this tent, that's my home. Because wherever that tent goes up, God is at home with us. Isn't that a lovely picture? So it looked something like this. Can't get into a great... Uh, we can't get into detail today, but it, it looks like an, a tent in, in a courtyard, if you've, if you've never seen it before. It, in, the, in the outer courtyard, you can see an altar. It says on there, brazen altar. Brazen just means made of bronze. Um, and I think that's important. The things outside are made of bronze and the, and the things inside are, are made of gold. There is, there is a sense of uh, increasing holiness as you go further in. Um, so you've got an altar, you've got a wash basin, a great big basin outside. Uh, you've got then a multi-layer tent. Um, actually, this is the one that says badger skins, but anyway. Um, inside the tent, you've got uh, a holy place and then at the far end, the most holy place. And in the holy place... You've got the lampstand we talked about. You've got the ark that we saw. Uh, You'll also find later on um, in Exodus an altar of incense. And then behind the curtain, in the, in the most um, holy place, we have um, the ark, uh, ark of the covenant. So it looks a little bit by that. In the middle of this half, then, we've got this altar. In, in the other half, we've got this, this two-compartment tent um, with the holy place and, and the most holy place, and these things all described by God, described uh, so, that, uh, made to a pattern, made to a pattern, so that they would remind the people of Israel uh, of Eden, but also that they would point the way home. And that's one I want to think about. This whole tent is kind of a series of signposts for the way back home. So everything is portable, so God is with his people wherever they go, but he cannot be approached directly. There must be representation, we'll see more about that next time, there must be uh, a a priest. And so only the priests could go into the holy place, and only the high priests could go into the most holy place once a year. There is this sense that um, God has come to live amongst his people, but there are kind of hurdles um, to get through. There must be representation, there must be sacrifice. It's not like there is, you know, you plonk the most holy place in the middle of God's people and you can just open the door and walk in and walk out. You cannot. To get in, you must come and pass the altar of sacrifice. There must be a sacrifice before you can come before God. uh, Blood must be shed for the things you've done wrong before you can come to God. And somebody must present that uh, before the Lord, before you can come before God. So there's a signpost there. There's another sign in, in, in the. There's this ark um, in, in the most holy place. Um, it's like it's like God's footstool. Um, it's the same size uh, as a kind of footstool would have been uh, for a, for a king of, of that day. So it's a little bit like this is the place where God's feet um, touch the earth. Only as my. Um, But like his throne, it's like the footstool of his throne. And and in the Bible, as we go on, it says, it talks about God being enthroned uh, between the cherubim. It's the the sign um, that God is present um, with his people on earth. But it's more than that, it's a sign of a treaty. There are are two tablets um, to be put inside this box that is the ark. Now, God makes a treaty with his people like a powerful king would make a treaty with a, a less powerful king. Uh, in that day. We called them, they call them suzerainty treaties. A suzerain was like a powerful king. It'd make a kind of pact with a, a less powerful king that as long as he showed loyalty, uh, the powerful king would, would protect him. And what you would do was you'd take a copy of the treaty and one would go in his temple uh, and the other would go in his temple. And it was a sign that a, that a pact had be made that the great king would look after the lesser, and what has happened here is there are two copies of the treaty, there are two copies, I think, of the Ten Commandments, and they have both gone in the Ark of the Covenant. Because there is not a temple of the powerful King and a, a temple of the lesser; there is just one temple of God, the King, uh, amongst His people. So the law goes in there as is, is, is there is a sign that there is a pact. But in making this very treaty, we know that the law cannot be kept. There is no way that these people can keep the law. It's going to prove impossible to keep. So I think there is a, there is a sign that as the law goes in the box uh, and it is covered, this, the top is called the atonement cover. And there is a sense that there is a treaty, um, but if anything, these laws should speak for these people's condemnation, but they're covered. And they're covered by the sacrifices that have been made, um, as it were, on the way in at that altar. And so that top of the, that cover is sometimes called the atonement cover in the Bible, sometimes translated mercy seat. So it's an amazing thing, the ark, because it is the presence of God in pact, in covenant with his people, a covenant that they can't keep, but which he has covered the penalty for. It's a lovely picture. Sorry getting um, out of sync with myself. There's another sign on the way home, and it's a bread. And this is much of a a simple picture, I think. Um, It's just a sign of God's people that that he will be their provider. But it's it's also just a sign that this is what he's calling them to. This is what salvation is about. It is about sitting down uh, in God's presence with a meal. And Tim Chester says, nothing symbolises home more powerfully that, than a meal table. So you remember last week, the, the, the elders went up on Mount Sinai and they ate in God's presence. That is salvation. And this is a little picture of that, that God is still calling them to that salvation, even though he's not going to call them up on a mountain every week with the elders, but he is still with them and calling, calling them into table fellowship, as it were, um, in his presence. And the other sign is, is, is the lamp. Looks suspiciously like a tree. And the more I think about it, it is in that sense, you could argue, it's a kind of burning bush. That's interesting now thinking backwards, isn't it? Because this, I think this, the more I think about it, the more I think the lamp is a kind of, um, it is the tree of life. And that then kind of, you know, makes perhaps a little bit more sense. Why did God appear as a burning bush? It, it is the tree of life. Uh, what, it, what is the, the, the tree of life? I think the, the tree of life I think is kind of the promise of eternal life, the picture of eternal life. Uh, and so Adam and Eve, had, had they not eaten of the other tree, um, then they would have, uh, that other tree was there to give them life and to give them eternal life which they then reject, and I think this this lamp, this burning, is a picture of the tree of life. It is this promise of eternal life of these people who stay in treaty with God. So, okay, lots of signs, but what are they pointing to? Well, there's a really interesting verse in the beginning of John 1. It's one of those Christmas readings. The word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. Though, If you dig under that into the original Greek, it says made, dw- made his dwelling is the word tented. Or tabernacle refers back to the tent. Uh, so John is, very, is specifically saying the word, that is Jesus, became flesh and tabernacled among us. So this is what happened. God came down into the tabernacle and dwelled with Israel. What has happened now is God has come down in the person of his son and tabernacled amongst everyone. And so I just want to argue that Jesus is the way home. And the tabernacle has been pointing to this, uh, and here is Jesus fulfilling those signs. He is the true ark. Remember we said of the ark, it was like the footstool of of the king. It was like the king's feet on earth, God's feet on earth. Well, here is Jesus, God God in person. Not just the feet of the king, but but God in person. He's the, the treaty keeper. You know, he said that there's that law, and actually it was standing against the people, but it's covered, that comes to its fulfillment in Jesus. He keeps that whole law for us he is the only perfect person who does that he is as it were the seat of mercy the place where mercy is given because he not only keeps that law for us but then the only perfect man dies on a cross just earning our forgiveness buying it for us offering it to us so here is Jesus comes you know we said that you, you couldn't come before God um, without a sacrifice and without representation, well, here is Jesus. He comes, and he is the sacrifice, lays down his life like the lamb. And, and then he is like the priest, and he takes that, that sacrifice. And Hebrews says that Jesus actually does this not just into a, a little tabernacle, but he does it into heaven itself. And he goes there, and he takes his life laid down, and he, and he presents it before God as a, as a, as a sacrifice. And so that tabernacle was just a picture of Eden, but it's a picture of the presence of God that Jesus goes into and takes this sacrifice. And Jesus himself says he is the bread of life. How do you eat the bread? Just by believing in him, just by trusting in him. And Jesus himself says that he is the light of the world. The tabernacle is a picture of Christ Christ. And Christ is home, and Christ is the way home. For this point in time, home is not wherever I lay my hat. Home is to be in Christ, home is to be in Christ. Feeding on Him, with Him spiritually, the bread of life, living in the light of the uh, of the light of the world, living uh, under the mercy of 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 Jesus, the mercy seat. So you know that sense that you want to go home. So when I come home and say, I just want to go home. Which means it's been a bit difficult today, and even though I'm home, something is not quite right. Well, that's a call in my heart to kind of that I'll, I just want to be in Christ and with Christ. And you know those times when you think, um, I, I want a home of my own? You know, I'm a renter and I just want to own a home. You know what? Part of that is just a desire to kind of be in Christ. And you know you're in a little place and you want a bigger place? That cry of your heart is a cry actually to be at home in Christ and uh, and with Christ. So when you have those kind of longings that just kind of won't go away, maybe just to turn around and say, this actually what I'm really longing for? Is it it really just a longing to be in Christ and back home with the Lord? And if so, it only comes true in part now. We are united with with Christ now. And so wherever and whenever Jesus is present, that's home. But it's still a kind of home away from home. It's a time when God is going to return and make everything new. And how do we get that way? Well, here's, here's that verse that... Rob bread to us, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. Isn't that lovely? If it weren't so, I would have told you And no, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And bless him, Thomas says what we would probably have said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way, and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is a way home, and the way home is Jesus. What do you do with him? How do you get to go home? As Thomas would have asked, you trust him. You believe in him. Believe who he said he is, that what he says he has done, he has done, that he has made you right with the Lord and then keep in step with his spirit. That's the the way home. So a home is now to be with Christ. It's a home away from home, but one day there will be a new Eden home And let me just uh, read you a couple of verses from Revelation. One day God is going to return. Christ will return. One day everything will be made new. There'll be a new Eden, a new uh, garden city. Let me read you a few things from Revelation. This is the vision John has. I didn't see a temple in the city. No more temple. No more tabernacle, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. There's no need of a temple. A temple is a place where you go to meet with God in this new Eden. you will be meeting with God all the time, walking and talking uh, in the garden, uh, like Adam did in Eden. City doesn't need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God live, gives it light, and the, and the Lamb is its lamp. There's no need of any more lights, because God's very presence will give it light. because the mercy is being given and, and there is no need for the Lord to be covered because everybody there will be made new and everything impure will have, will have been removed. And then the angel, John said, showed me the, the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing down uh, from the throne of God and the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of, of the nations. So the tree of life, is there. that's why I think that that lamp is, 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 is the tree of life. It is this promise of, of, of eternal life. And when we get there, what Adam should have done, which is stayed uh, with God, obedient to God, and eating of the tree of life, that, that will then go on uh, unbroken. No longer will there be any curse. We know that. The law has, uh, has gone The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They'll see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. We're going home. going home. Are we not? It's kind of exciting. It's kind of like we're on, you know, you're all sitting there looking a bit kind of amused. Okay, you know, we're we're on the train, aren't we? You know, and it's just going in one direction, isn't it? It's going home. It's going home. So along the way, don't confuse all those other longings with this longing for home. This is probably the longing at the bottom of your heart. Don't get too engrossed then in the DIY. It's not wrong, but don't get too engrossed with it. Don't get too tied up with having nice holidays or finding a holiday home or uh, owning your own home or having having a bigger place. Because for the moment, Jesus is our home and he is taking us home. Shall we pray? The Lord says, you prepare a table before me. Oh no, David says, to the Lord, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you, Lord, that we're going home. Lord, uncover that longing in our heart, and maybe we've confused that longing with different longings. Or maybe we've just squished it by settling down and trying to make life okay in the present, just focusing on the present. But Lord, the big truth is you're taking us home. And we're delighted, but even as our hearts crave it, even as our hearts are sore because we're not there yet. Our hearts are hurt because we've bumped up against a whole load of other things on the way home. So we cry out, come Lord Jesus, come soon, take us home. Help us take lots of other people home with us. And just help us handle our longings in the meantime.